Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. You're listening to DraftKings Network. This is the GM Shuffle. And everything runs through David. You basically traded Caleb Williams, DJ Moore, and another first-round pick for Bryce Young. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. Welcome to another edition of the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. I'm your host, Femi Abebefe. As always, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Our producer, Elliot Bowman, with us on the ones and twos. And Michael, you know, it's interesting. Now that we're five weeks into the regular season, I think back to the beginning of August when hope springs eternal. Everyone is excited about their football teams. And now, as we sit here on October 12th, reality has set in. And now teams are starting to figure out, all right, what's to blame? Who's to blame? and look no further than Carolina. Well, yeah, I mean, look, and I and I was I thought where Carolina started last year when they made the change which was basically this week last year they took out Matt Rule and they replaced him with Steve Wilkes and they started to play better. They found their identity, they ran the football, their offensive line could run block. Foreman was great for them. You know, they they put 350 yards on Detroit and a year later Detroit just kicks the shit out of them. And then, you know, and then I think to me, there's certain teams that you were expecting to get better that haven't. New England, Carolina are the two front runners, Washington as well, uh, that you would think based on last year, how close they were in some games. Remember, Carolina is a, a really a, a, a game, the Tampa game, because mm-hmm. Horn doesn't play, J.C. Horn doesn't play. I mean, Evans goes crazy, and they they don't make the playoffs, right? They could have made the playoffs if they beat Tampa. They had every chance to beat Tampa in that game. So, you know, they're that close. New England had a bunch of games that were close, but now we're seeing that what thought was going to carry over from one year to the next hasn't. And in Carolina, with the coaching change, it's pretty obvious. And I thought Reich at the podium this week on Monday was really, really kind of a lesson – to understand reading between the lines. Yeah, well, let's play that soundbite right now. This is Frank Reich was asked about this 0-5 start and how things have been going on in his early tenure in Carolina. There's different philosophies in ownership. You know what I mean? Some owners kind of stay stay away <clears throat> and, and don't engage a whole lot. Other owners do. And his philosophy is he's going to engage. And, um, and listen, it's only been a short experience but it's been a really good experience. It hasn't been fun. You know, it's not fun. Those, those meetings aren't, I wouldn't characterize them as fun meetings. Um, but those meetings make me better, and I trust they make us better. Can you translate what Frank Reich's trying to say here in that, uh, oh, I, up at the podium? Oh, I can. What Frank Wright did was he peeled the curtain back. You know, most owners, not most, all owners, don't want to know or don't want their fans to know how much they're involved. I think when you break down the conversation that he had, when you break down the sentences, when he starts off by saying, you know, there are some owners that are just absentee, essentially using kind of paraphrasing it. Mm -hmm. Well, that, that was back in the day, you know, Eddie DeBarlo was viewed as an absentee owner and he was, he was living in Youngstown and he would call, but he wanted wins. He was, he was prevalent in terms of initiating the wins. Same thing with Jack Kent Cook. They weren't in the building every day. They weren't involved. You had to keep them informed on what the decisions were, but they would let you do it, but you were judged by the scoreboard. That all changed when Jerry Jones came into the league. It changed dramatically. <clears throat> and it changed because what we've seen is Jerry wanted to become Al Davis, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to become Al Davis. And so Jerry decided to name himself general manager, to name himself, you know, the owner and the president, all those things, and run the team. And it worked with Jimmy. And once Jimmy left, Jerry's winning percentage is at at 53%. 53%. 
it, and Jerry proves the Dunning-Kruger effect. And, w- and the Dunning-Kruger effect is simply when someone who has expertise in one field tries to use the expertise in the other field. And I think what Reich was saying about Tepper was he's involved. So why does somebody want to be involved who's never really been in football? Well, the answer is analytics. Analytics allows everybody to get involved. Analytics and data is driven into this. And so a hedge fund operator, a man who's been multi-successful, and I think there's a quote later, Reich says, you know, he's been very successful. He's built an empire. I know what I know. Basically saying, I know football. He knows hedge funds. Maybe the two worlds don't collide. Mm. But analytics allows you to get a deeper view, allows the person without football expertise to have an opinion. I mean, we don't have to look very far, but our network. I mean, we're listening to some of the people we bring on as guests. They're analytically driven. Here's what happens. Here's why this team's going to win. This why this team's going to lose. There's value in that. Mm-hmm. But there's also value in an applied analytics, which takes some expertise. And I think what Reich's trying to say is David's really involved and everything runs through David. And once you do that, the target goes on the owner. And once the target's on an owner, it's very difficult to move forward. No owner wants the target. They all want to operate in obscure levels. I used to say this to Al Davis all the time. You know, Mr. D, they all want to be just like you. They all want to be just like you. They want to run the team hide behind the curtain, pretend they're not involved, <laughs> but run the team, right? Yeah. But he knew what he was doing. <clears throat> His background was in football. There's the difference. And so I think that's what it was. But once you turn the target to the owner, like Wright did, no matter how many glowing things you say about those meetings, nobody's going to think you're learning anything from those meetings. People are going to think you're resenting those meetings. Well, he sounded like a man that was resenting those meetings. In terms of the owners, it's almost like the whole adage, like you want to have your cake and eat it too. You want to make the decisions and run the team, but don't have to face any of the criticism. And I think a lot of people, when they heard Frank Reich say what he said, thought back to the draft process and the selection of Bryce Young. A lot of people felt that Frank Reich wanted a bigger quarterback because that's what he had worked with in the past, whether it be Carson Wentz or Andrew Luck or Jacoby Brissett, a a number of quarterbacks he had worked with, Phillip Rivers back when he was an OC for the Chargers. Like, there were bigger, sturdier guys than Bryce Young, and people felt that it was David Tepper who said, you need to select Bryce Young. Like, does this feel like this is a, a coach who's kind of engaging in cover your ass, is trying to absolve himself of the 0-5 start? I think he did it, but he did it in a way that it was very passive-aggressive. He tried to prop up the owner, and he could say there's sentences in there that you could say he, you know, he was – portraying the owner as a really good source but you can read between the lines especially they're going to go on a buy after they get beat by Miami they'll be they won't will be winless yeah. and then CJ Stroud's coming to town so we got oh. one versus two and that's going to put the pressure right on David I mean the Carolina media is going to eat this up and they're going to twist the words around and they've already tried to call Tepper for a comment and he doesn't have a comment which he won't But now he's the target. Now he becomes the target. Now everybody's going to start calling other people who have been in the building to find out what really goes on behind closed doors. Because Frank allowed the peak inside the building. You can't do that. You never win against. The owners are undefeated. They own the team. They're Mm -hmm. never going anywhere. And so if you try to pretend that they're, if you pretend that it's their decision, that's not what it is. And so it's it to me it's very costly. And then I think the other issue Frank has is with his locker room. Mm-hmm. I mean, this team thought they were going to be better. You can blame it on the quarterback, but they're not better defensively. They can't run the football. The offensive line isn't very good. It's not because they traded DJ Moore. It's because they haven't come together as a team. And I thought they could because where they were positioned last year, if they added elements to their team, they were going to move forward. But right now, as you look at it, Femi, I mean, you basically traded Caleb Williams, DJ Moore, and another first-round pick for Bryce Young. Better make it work. Better make it work because it's – Well, I mean, the owner's out there on it. 
I mean, he valued the quarterback, right? Mm-hmm. He valued the quarterback, which is the right thing to do. But I think what happens when I brought up the Jerry Jones analogy, I think owners need to be involved. They didn't spend $20 billion to not be involved, right? Their expertise in decision-making needs to be involved. But the manipulation of the decisions needs to not be involved, right? So what happens is they get involved and they listen to the wrong people. They listen to somebody who speaks the language of them. In Carolina, that's true, right? The money guy, who's talking to him? You know, the analytical, oh, this is what should happen. You know, we should have done this. We should have done that. Well, there's a place for analytics, but there also is a place for applied analytics, and this is what we're desperately missing. We're desperately missing that element. You know, let's go for let's go for two. Let's go for let's go for it on fourth down. Well, I mean, I was working on the note. Jacksonville, Tennessee, Jacksonville, and Indy are playing again. We have a rematch game. Yeah. I mean, ten, Jackson, uh, Indy went for it five times on fourth down in that game. They were one for five. They went, and they they were like one for thirteen on third down. I mean, like you have to, even though it says go for it, what does the applied analytics say? What does the day say? What does the day say? And that's where you get all analytics comes from past data. All, 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 all big data comes from the past, but it has to be applied to the future, mm. the future setting. I mean, Rory Sutherland talks much about this, the, the advertising executive from, from England. He's tremendous. I think the thing we, another way to look at this is my man, our man, Ed Harris, who Ed Smith, excuse me, who we had on the pod. Mm -hmm. He talks about, he just wrote a real piece on the empirical, uh, on the empirical game by Michael Lewis, how Sam Bank, Bank, uh, Bankman Freed, Friedman, Freed, I think it's Freed. You know, he's just, everything is applied analytics. Everything is analytics to him. Everything is probability. Everything is probability. And so his whole life is probably, he doesn't even communicate with anybody, just pro- all probability. Do I go to this meeting? 60% chance I don't go to the meeting. And Ed wrote a really great article in the Statesman about it. And I think what's happened in the NFL is we're not getting enough of the mesh of it. We're getting too much down one road. I'm not a guy, I use analytics every day to handicap games. But I think when you do this, it becomes a problem. And then if the owners only listen to one side, he's got trouble. Yeah, I, I think this is a really fascinating uh, situation that's going on in Carolina. I want to talk more about Reich as it pertains to him and his coaching job on the other side. But it's interesting. David Tepper, correct me if I'm wrong, he was also a minority owner for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So um, this is a guy that he is a hedge fund guy, but also probably has football opinions and has kind of been involved in seeing how things have gone here. But we'll continue this conversation and also get to some other news and notes from around the league. This is the GM Shuffle on the DraftKings Network. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, these second-round playoffs have been unreal, and we have the conference finals now on the horizon. Make sure you get all those futures bets in before the value disappears. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets in. Instantly, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You know, I thought you said it perfectly, Michael, that Frank Reich is not the first coach to ever work with an owner that has been involved. In fact, 
more often than not, a lot of owners are involved, even though in the public eye, we just think that it's Jerry Jones and a couple of handful like Al Davis, like those guys, because they're more uh, no. central. But it's like a lot of guys who are actually involved. Frank Reich, the question I would ask to him is that, like, OK, like, yes, maybe your situation isn't ideal in your eyes, but. I look back to the situation that's going on currently right now in Indianapolis, and I see the success that they're having after you left, and I question what you're actually doing. Okay, how has this offensive line gotten better? How has this team gotten back to physical football? And your team in Carolina looks like they can't block a soul and they can't score points. And, and you just keep trying to get your quarterback killed. I mean, I think this, Femi, I, I think there has to be, you know, David Tepper's way too smart, right? He didn't make billions of dollars being a dummy. But really the job of an owner isn't to be the day-to-day manager of the team. The job of the owner is to ask the right questions. The job of the owner is to come in with a philosophy, a mandate. This is what I want this franchise to look like. These are the priorities that I place on this franchise. And it goes back in time. We're going to value offensive and defensive linemen. We're going to use all our resources to get a quarterback. Everything else, we're going to figure out. Okay, that's it. Everything else we're going to figure out. That's, that's what we believe in. These are the kind of players we're going to have on the team. Describe it. These are the kind of players we will not have on the team. Describe it. And that's it. Now you have a plan. And the general manager gets it. The head coach gets it. We're going to develop talent. We're going to do this. This is how we're going to operate. And then I'm going to ask questions to make sure we're adhering to this. But when you start to get into, well, you know, we need to run the ball more on third down and we need to get this, you know, and all of a sudden you start taking just general analytics and not applying it to the problem, you got real issues. And so what Reich did was was he took a peek. It allowed everybody to take a peek inside. And that never works out. That never works out for anybody. That never will work out for anybody. No matter how glowing you might have said things in there, I really enjoy it. They're hard meetings. Of course they're hard meetings. (laughs) He's asking questions mm-hmm. that he wants to know the same thing you just asked me. Why did they get? Why have they gotten worse? Yeah, which is the question that Frank Reich would need to answer. There, sitting here at zero and five, it sounds kind of crazy to ask this question, but just based on those comments and based how things are headed, it feels like it's warranted. Like, is Frank Reich in year one already on the hot seat? Well, I think a lot of that's going to take around the building. You know, what's Bryce Young think of the situation? Does he like the offense? I think, you know, when you start throwing stones, at, you, you basically imply you wanted the other quarterback. How do you think mm-hmm. Bryce Young feels? How do you think Bryce Young feels? What do you think he's thinking? What do you think he's thinking? <laughs> like, fuck this guy. Right? Honestly. <laughs> you know, like, seriously? <laughs> right? I mean, there's, there's, when, when you're talking to the media, you're talking to your team. Trust me, everybody in that Carolina locker room saw that press conference and read between the lines like I did. When I first heard that press conference, I said, oh, unless he wins a lot of games, this could be the end of it. He might have fired himself. He might have fired himself. Hmm. And, and I, I like to think he did it in a, in a way to where all he was trying to do is be honest. But there are so many tones in that and there's so many hmm. interpretations that you can't really get away from it. And after coming off of a bad loss to a team that you beat last year, that locker room has no confidence. There's no evidence Remember this, for all football teams, there has to be an element of building confidence without evidence. I think what D'Amico Ryans has done in Houston is even early in the year, there was confidence, there was no evidence they were going to win. I think that's what Gannon's done. He's Mm -hmm. built some confidence even though there's not a lot of evidence. They've had one win, right? And so that's the hard part, where some of these teams, New England, offensively they have no confidence at all because they have no evidence over the last year and a half, that they can move the football offensively. They had hope when when they changed and did what they did, but once again, the product compared this year to last year, like Carolina, has gotten worse. Well, let's get to New England because it's uh, the times are, are, are stressful out there in Foxborough. The Patriots uh, one victory so far this season. They're heading over here to Las Vegas this weekend uh, to take on the Raiders. And Bill Belichick, I, I mean, Hot seat or not, things are tough out there in New England. The fact that the yeah. offense can't get going. Everyone's asking him weekly, is Mac Jones a starter? Is Mac Jones a starter? Is Mac Jones a starter? And every week he says yes. We'll see how long that continues. Like, where do the Patriots, like, how did we get here? And where do the Patriots go from here? Well, I think we got here, you know, we let's start back. You know, Josh McDaniels leaves and takes the job with the Raiders. 
and you know, and Bill did what Andy Reid did in Philadelphia. I don't know if you remember this, but when Andy Reid fired Sean McDermott, mm-hmm. he put in place he put Juan Castillo from the offense from the defensive from offensive line coach and made him the coordinator, and it was a disaster. It was a disaster. Remember, when Andy was in Philly, he had Jim Johnson as his defense coordinator. Yeah. And those two were a deadly combination. I mean, they went to several conference championship games. You know, I think they went to three in a row. They went to four together, right? They went to a Super Bowl, right, in, in 04. That was a great combination. And then when Jim died, unfortunately, and Andy changed, he went to McDermott, but then he fired McDermott. And he put Juan in, and then it fell apart. Well, Bill went from from Josh into Matt Patricia, who had coached offense early in his career when he first got to New England with, with Dante. And everybody made fun of it, and it didn't work. And we saw some of their elements. And then they fired, fired Matt, and they went to Bill O'Brien. And now, for whatever reason, is it talent, is it coaching, is it scheme, they've gotten worse, considerably worse, in every single t- statistical area. I mean, there's just no denying it. Even, I mean, Bill knows it. I mean, he's not stupid. He looks at it. They can't run the football. They can't protect. Their offensive line, which they try to put some resources in, hasn't played together, hasn't been together. There's no continuity with the line. And everything starts to break down. It's not as simple as we just need more skill players. Like, it's not as simple as that. And I think that's where it is. And so, you know, you have an owner and I don't want to speak for Robert Kraft, but you have an owner who's, you know, he wants to win. He's used to winning. I mean, he hasn't been to the playoffs. This is very reminiscent of Philadelphia to me. Mm-hmm. I lived through Philly. You know, I lived through the Andy making changes. And look, nobody remembers this, but Andy's last year in Philadelphia in 2012, he was 4-12. When Andy went from McNabb to Vic, right? Yep. When he went from McNabb to Vic, he went to one wild card game, and then he didn't make the playoffs the next two years. He went eight and eight and four and twelve. Okay, so mm-hmm. they went to Kevin Cobb originally. Remember that? Yep. Until he got. Concussed. And then they went to Vic. Yeah. Yeah, and then they went to Vic. So look, you know, sometimes you're at a place and maybe your message gets stale. I don't know. I think anybody who suggests the games pass Bill by hasn't really had a conversation with Bill. I think that's completely ridiculous. I think the team's not playing well, and I think what you saw is a team that lacks a lot of confidence. A lot of confidence. And how, how can they not when you turn the ball over at such a rapid rate? And not only do you turn it over, you give it up touchdowns. So to me, that's that's part of it. And I think if you're the owner of the team, you've got to make a decision. Do you think that Bill can rebuild the team if the team got a quarterback? Do you think Mac Jones is the answer? These are the questions. Again, the owner's job is to ask questions. It's to ask questions. And the answers can only come from qualified people, right? It can mm-hmm. only come from qualified people. So that's kind of where this has to go. And I, and I think to me, you know, he has been successful. The whole Brady idea, okay. You know, Andy Reid lost McNabb. He went to one wild card game after that. You know, Chuck Knoll, I, I've given chapter and verse on that. Nobody wants to pay attention to it. It's always just goes back to he doesn't have Brady. So, and you can't change the narrative. I mean, that's just the way people stupid. want to talk yeah, about it. stupid. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's one of the dumbest narratives I see on there. It's like the, it's the, ridiculously stupid. Yeah, it's just it's ridiculous. I was watching the Big Short the other night, and with the narrative that these subprime loans were never going to go bad was was ridiculously stupid. But people kept saying it, and then we had the housing crisis. Yeah, I guess if you say something enough times, you'll start to believe it. I'm like, like the Tom Brady that we last saw was not the Brady that we saw in 2001. But we don't need to go ahead and and get into all of that here. But it, it's interesting. I'm glad you drew those parallels because I think a lot of people forget about that Eagles run at the end of wh- where Andy Reid, Philly Eagles fans were calling for this guy to be fired, and he ultimately was fired. Jeffrey Lurie made the tough decision after years of success to let Andy Reid go. Like. When you go into that decision like Andy Reid did to hire Juan Castillo or how Bill Belichick went to have Matt Patricia run the offense, like, like what goes into that? Because clearly, like, yes, they might have some background with this, but it wasn't necessarily their level of expertise because that's the decision that a lot of people point to say, what was Belichick doing there making someone like Patricia the OC after McDaniels came here to Las Vegas? You know, I think the one of the strengths Bill has is uh, of many is his ability to evaluate your strengths and your weaknesses. 
And Bill's not a person to look at somebody's weaknesses and just say, well, get rid of them. He, you know, having worked for Modell and going to the Art Modell school of, of hiring and firing, and I've mentioned this before on the pod, you do 50 things really well for Art Modell, God rest his soul, and you do four things really shitty. Art fires you for those four things you do shitty. He hires Femi to come in here because Femi does those four things really well, but Femi only does 25 other things really good. So now he's, now Art's minus 20, okay? Mm. So that's the Art Modell theory of hiring and firing. Bill has always taken the approach, okay, here's the guy's strengths. Here's his weaknesses. Let me work on his weaknesses and build them up. And if I can't fix those weaknesses, then I've got to make a change. But I'd rather deal with somebody that I know who has strengths than deal with somebody that I don't even know. Okay? Mm -hmm. So I think what happened was when Josh left, and I've said this before on the pod before it all happened, I think one of the reasons why he moved Matt over there was because he wanted to get the offense streamlined down because it had gone after Brady. It was this huge volume, like, like the Miami offense with Marino. And they wanted to streamline it down. And there were things that Matt could do that were effective. I mean, last year they ran the football very well. Ramon Stevenson had a tremendous year, but the passing game and the tying of everything together really wasn't there. And and that's because he, you know, there wasn't enough experience. And so I think there's a some of the like Andy and Bill. They both felt like, okay, we can manage that. I'll ma I'll handle that. And in the end, it's too much of a gap in a league where there's too many great chess players. Yeah. And the, the, the streamlining down, that's been something that has been talked about quite a bit here from like when Brady was running it. Like, I think the narrative was always that you couldn't really have young players in that offense because there's so much that is required for the receivers and all the timing and all the rhythm and all that stuff to where, yeah, maybe it is necessary to streamline it down. But unfortunately for the Patriots, it hasn't really worked out. And the quarterback situation hasn't worked out with Mac Jones. Thus, we sit here and everyone is on the hot seat in New England. All right, we'll get some other stuff on the other side. We're just warming up here on the GM Shuffle here on DraftKings Network. You know, last year in 2022, the Minnesota Vikings, we said that they had the horseshoe <laughs> round the corner at all times. They lost four games all last season in the regular season. While we're sitting here on October 12th, they've already lost four games this regular season at one and four. Vikings coming off a tough loss to the Kansas City Chiefs 27-20 this past Sunday. And in that loss, losing their all-pro stud wide receiver Justin Jefferson to a hamstring injury. He is now on the short-term IR. And a lot of people are now asking with the Vikings sitting at one and four Kirk Cousins their quarterback in the final year of his contract is now being asked if he would waive a no trade clause he said that it's not worth my time and energy to discuss the trade talk situation but if you're Kwesi Adafo Mensa and you're that Vikings brass when you sit back and sort of assess where the season has gone up to this point and where it might go how do you kind of navigate these waters here with Cousins in the final year and Jefferson your best player now out for at least the next month well, let's put Jefferson in a separate category. They're going to sign Jefferson. They're going to give him a record contract. So that, that goes without saying. But let's talk about the pattern of behavior by the Vikings in this past offseason. They have $42 million of dead money. $42 million of dead money. Adam Thielen, Dalvin Tomlinson, Smith, Cook, you know, Rieger. They just cut Patrick Peterson. I mean, $42 million of dead money. So what's that tell us? as observers, that they're cleaning up the mess, that he wants to clean up the mess. Now, as it relates to Cousins, he knows that he's not going to sign Cousins past this year. So that's so X that out. I'm not signing Cousins past this year. I'm not entering into another bad contract. When Cousins voids this deal, you know, could I sign him? Yeah, would I like to? Sure. Do I want to pay him $50 million? Absolutely not, Right. We've already gone down this rabbit hole with Kirk Cousins. We're not going any further. We've basically tried to win a title with him, and we can't. And we've gave him a ton of money. I mean, we gave him a ton of money. We gave him $65 more million, and we've paid this guy way more. Now, he's produced great numbers, but he hasn't produced what we ultimately want, which is a championship. Okay, so we know that. So now what does he do? If he loses to Chicago in Chicago, and there's a good chance they could, he's got a good coaching staff, 
I'm sure they feel like, hey, we finally got a really good defense coordinator, Brian Flores. Our head coach is a good coach, even though we can't seem to get the plays in on time and we take delay of the game penalties, we have no timeouts. That goes without saying. But I think Kevin's growing up and he's going to be a good coach because he can move the football. So now you've got to ask yourself, if we void the contract, and I'm not sure if the void allows them to get a compensatory pick when someone signs Kurt, or do they just cut their losses now and say, okay, let's get in position to draft Caleb Williams. Knowing most of the analytical people in the world, and I think Adafo is one of those people, Mm -hmm. I think he'll certainly want to do that. I think it fits the pattern of, of behavior that I've seen so far. Now, what will you pay for Cousins? People say, well, the Jets should trade for him. Okay, so the Jets trade what? They trade another asset for a quarterback to rent him for what? Ten games? Yeah, two and Twelve and a half, games two and a half at the months. most? Yeah. Is that smart? Is that, you know, it's me that doesn't know the system, doesn't know the plays, doesn't play well in big games, and we need him to play well in big games. Is that a smart move? Would it be smart for New England to trade for Cousins and then take themselves out of a, the quarterback derby? See, the Cousins conversation is centered around Drake May, Caleb Williams, Michael Penix Jr., Bo Nix, all these guys in college. Would you rather have Cousins at $40 million a year or would you rather have one of these high draft picks? Would you rather have Derek Carr, which is what the Saints chose? And look at his numbers? Or would you rather have a high draft pick and a young quarterback? I think there's the, there's the conversation. And that's what you have to decide on. And you have to play that out unemotionally. I mean, you know the outcome. You're not going to win the North. You're not better than Detroit. So when you sit in the room and you look at your depth chart, you say, if we got to catch Detroit, we're not going to do it with this team. We're not good enough in the offensive line. We're not good enough in the defensive line. We've got too many holes. But what's the value back for Cousins? What is someone going to give us for Cousins without a contract next year? Who has an appetite to pay Cousins $45 million next year? Who's desperate to do that? Who wants to just plug and play a quarterback? Has it worked? It hasn't worked so far for the Saints. I know they've won some games. It certainly didn't work for the, for the, for the Broncos. Right? They paid him and they're regretting that. So, like, where do we go with this? Which I Pittsburgh. Think is, would Pittsburgh take them? Would you put Kirk Cousins on Pittsburgh team right now? Pretty, that might improve them, and it might give them a long-term answer. Would they sign them? Well, they're, they got a quarterback on a rookie deal. I'm sure they could. Is it Pittsburgh style? I don't think so. Mm. But it depends on where they think they are with Kenny Pickett. They're going to win enough games, they're not going to get a top quarterback. If you're Omar Khan, you know you're not going to get a top 10 quarterback. So do you keep going with we keep going with Pickett and hope he gets better? Or do you say, for the next two years, let me bring in Cousins and we'll see if Pickett grows up? I don't know if I'd argue with that logic. You know, that's an interesting wild card team that I did not think about because I just thought, oh, well, they have Kenny Pickett, their first round pick, and this is year two. And, and like maybe they just want to at least get another year with Kenny Pickett. But on the flip side of this, from Cousins' standpoint, like which situation do you think would he waive the no trade clause for? Like, does he want to go and learn a new system and play for a team for two months as a rental and kind of be up against it a little bit before heading into a free agency? Like, does he want to put that kind of tape out there where he's still trying to learn things and get familiar with the receivers and the offensive line and all that stuff? Like, do you think there are situations where Cousins would be like, hey, well, I don't want to waive my no trade clause for that. I'd rather just stay here in Minnesota or maybe just shut me down and I'll just go ahead and ride off into free agency? I think a lot of it would have to do with what what – the, the team going he's going to would be a willing to pay and how good are they? I mean, that's I'm, I'm and I'm answering that question to you, Femi, from my viewpoint, mm-hmm. like I've made so much money in my life that I, I mean, I, I don't know if I can't give it. I couldn't give half this money. away. I mean, my kids are set up and their kids are set up. Like there's nobody in my family that's going to have to pay for a college education. Let's just put that out there. Right. Yep. Cause ultimately as a parent, as a grandparent, that's really what your driving issue is. I want to pay for my kids to go to school, and I want to pay for their kids to go to school. I want to increase the educational value of my family. Mm-hmm. So I think you'd have to ask yourself that question. Who would be willing? Who would have an appetite to do that? 
and who would want to think short term potentially with the long term? It's a little bit like the cut. It's a little bit like the the, the Rogers thing, not to the same level. And how much am I willing to pay for that? How much am I willing to pay for that? I don't know. You know, I don't know if they if I and I don't know if the void allows them to get a cancer. Some voids do. Some voids don't. I think this one would. So say they he goes out in the open market and they get a compensatory three back. It would you be better off letting them play out the year and get the three, or would you better off taking something else? I mean, this isn't going to be one of those Ram specials where we'll trade you our six and seven <laughs> for your six and seven in a flop. Like a it's not going to be one of those. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, I mean, I, I think to me when you look at it, you know, with you know, the, let's just go through it. The Giants aren't going to do it. Even nope. though, you know, they could end up with a top pick. I think if the Giants end up with a top 10 pick, they still wouldn't pick a quarterback. They still wouldn't pick a quarterback. So, <laughs> yeah. you, you that's know, a whole other thing. that's did, a whole other conversation. I'm well, looking at my board. Well, I mean, he, well, you know, let, me, I, let me ask you this team. Would his old stomping grounds in Landover, Maryland, would the Washington Commanders do it with Rivera on I the hot seat? I, I don't think so because I think Rivera – A, I think Rivera doesn't think he's going to get fired. Somebody I heard asked him this week if he was going to retire, and he said absolutely not. I think Rivera feels like that the owner is so leveraged in Washington in terms of how much money he spent for the team that the cash capital around isn't really prevalent. And he's got an – he had as an extension – Marty Herney has an extension. Martin Mayu, there's a lot. If you want to clear it out, there's a lot to have to get cleared out. It's going to cost you a lot of money. I don't know if the cost of re, sometimes in these sales transactions, there's kind of a, a way to where the owner's like, okay, if I clean house, this probably, you know, there's a little bit of a variable in that. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's the case, but I, 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 there's no way. I think they believe how's their answer. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm just I'm looking at teams that are like that think that they could probably get to the playoffs, like Washington being one of them. But you mentioned that they probably wouldn't do it. I'm looking around the league. It's like where else? Because n- none of the teams in the AFC South, like Jacksonville, has their guy. Indianapolis has their guy. Houston has their guy. Tennessee, like, but like they have Tannehill there, and they probably think that they can compete with Ryan Tannehill. They've done it before, been able to make the playoffs. Would would I mean? Yeah, if, I think if, Tennessee if, wants to. Plus, they draft Will Levis. They don't yeah. even know if he's any good. They got yeah. Willis. You know, so you got it's a little bit of a logjam. I mean. What if about, a quarterback got hurt, I would think that. You well, know. that's my next question. What if Deshaun Watson's shoulder is hurt more than we think it is? Would Cleveland, pairing him up with Stefanski, wouldn't have to learn a new scheme. He and Stefanski yeah. work together in Minnesota. Would that be an option? It would be, but you know, you're, now it's a complete rental because let's not forget, you guaranteed all of Deshaun's contract. Mm-hmm. So, you know... What are you going to do? You're going to have to, you're going to, it's a rental. Cousins would say, well, I love Ed. I love Kevin, but Ed's his father. I love Kevin, but do I go there? I'm only going to play it for this little bit of time and I have no chance to stay there. Yeah. Because you would imagine that Kirk would want to be traded to a place where he could sign an extension and then just be able to lock that in there. But I don't know how many people. Right. I think because he, I mean, he is a family. I, I think what we miss in this whole conversation is, when a guy gets traded, he wants to move his family. He wants to get his kids in school. He wants to get normalcy to his life. Mm-hmm. For the fans, they just want him on the field. They don't care about his life, <laughs> it's, right? It's fantasy football. But it's when mad. you have that no trade clause in your contract, you you now think about you know your wife's going to be part of this decision as well. So, you know where where else, you know where else could he go? I, I mean, it's really kind of. I, I don't really know where else that you could put him. I think Pittsburgh is the only place that I could see because of his salary, because they're not sure of Pickett. You, you have to be doubtful about Pickett, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure everybody's doubtful about, about Matt Canada too, but, yeah. you know, let's be honest. I mean, they've won three games without a court, with making a play here and a play there in games. It's remarkable for Tomlin. So... That's the problem with trading cousins. To me, that's the layout of the land. So then to put a bow on this, Jefferson gone for a month. Does Minnesota then just kind of ride this thing out with Kirk Cousins or maybe shut him down? No, I think they ride it out and, you know, and maybe wait for calls. I mean, we got what, two more weeks before the trade deadline? Somebody's maybe somebody calls. You know, maybe Garoppolo gets hurt and the Raiders say, okay, here's our chance. October 31st is the NFL trade deadline. A lot of time between now and then. We'll get to the games on the other side. It's the GM Shuffle.
You know, we encourage everybody to go check out Michael's latest column over at vcin.com. And it's simple. He wrote about the five teams that he thinks can win the Super Bowl through five weeks of the NFL season. And we will break down the games of those five teams here in the final segment. But we encourage everybody, vcin.com, check it out. Michael wrote about the five teams and why he believes those are the five right now who can win the Super Bowl. And one of those teams is the Detroit Lions over in the Motor City. Mm-hmm. Restore the, the the roar has been restored right now. The Detroit yeah, Lions is. sitting at 4-1 and one atop the NFC North. They have an interesting game down in Tampa on Sunday. The Bucks will be wearing the creamsicle jerseys. It'll be a nice little jersey uh, 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 aesthetically pleasing for the throwback fans out there. But Tampa is a three-point underdog over at DraftKings. Total 42.5. I am as excited for a Detroit Lions game as I've ever been. I think this is going to be a really fun one. Lions and the Bucks. We'll find out who's for real in this one. Well, I think we will. And this is the kind of game where you think, oh, boy, the Lions, you know, there's no way they could win this game. And this is kind of when golf stubs his toe. But I think when you really break the game down, you know, the Lions, one of the things the Lions do a great, they, they have the, their fronts really good. And they can control the front. Their defensive front will stop the Bucks from running. And I think they can put pe- pressure on Baker. Baker's made enough plays, but their offensive front, to me, is is the key to the game, right? I think their offensive front is able to block them, to block the front of Tampa, and then I think you can get to the secondary. Look, we I kid about Goff on the road, but he is the most profitable quarterback since 2021. He's 25 and 11 against the spread. Yeah. You say what you want, right? I mean, he's 25 and 11, and you know, and I think to me. You know, everybody's worried about him on the road, and I am too. If I, I got him here in my notes here, if I can get to my notes here. Yeah, his home road splits, I mean, dating back to his time in L.A., have not been good. Obviously more comfortable indoors in a nice controlled environment, but on the road, especially in cold weather games. This We're not expecting this to be a cold weather game, but it's Florida. Who knows, maybe the rain will show up. But uh, the home road splits aren't that great for Jared Goff. Well, no, but the, but the thing I think you got to the, the thing that is is going to be a factor, and I think everybody this week has to be able to to pay attention to it is weather. Mm-hmm. I mean, wind is going to be prevailing in this in this week all over the place, starting tonight in in Kansas City. I think we got seventy mile an hour winds there, so it's going to be windy. It's supposed to be a little windy in Tampa. I don't think it'll be that windy. I think it was like nine miles an hour when I checked this morning. Yeah, thirteen to fourteen mile an hour wind, but the weather's warm. Goff is 21. He completes 21 passes on the road out of 33 attempts. He averages seven yards per attempt. He throws basically one touchdown pass and a half an interception on the road. He's got, you know, he gets sacked. He's got about an 85 uh, two quarterback rating, and he's 27, 23, and one on the road. But, you know, he's played better this year. You know, this year on the road, you know, he's played much better. He won the game in Kansas City. And uh, so, you know, we'll see. I, I, I just think this is one of those games where Detroit's front's got to control it. And if they can run the football, if St. Brown's back and they can run the ball the way they did, they won last week without Gibbs and St. Brown. I think that'll really help. But the, the matchup with Evans and the receivers against the secondary is going to come down to can they protect. Yeah, we're still waiting on Mike Evans' news. He didn't practice yesterday dealing with the hamstring. He left the game a couple weeks ago with that hamstring. So Mike Evans will have to monitor that Thursday and Friday practice. We're taping this at 11.24 Eastern time right now here uh, on a Thursday. So we'll have to look out for Thursday and Friday's injury report on Mike Evans. But I asked you this a few weeks ago, and I want to ask it to you again here. We'll get to it before we get to some of the other games. But are the 2023 Buccaneers the 2022 Seahawks? Like, is this a team that we think is actually better than most people thought? And could be a playoff team by year's end. I, I think this game's going to tell me a lot because of the level of comp when they've played against – I mean, Philly dominated the game down there. Everybody mm-hmm. was on Tampa, take the points, and that yeah. wasn't really the case. I think this game is can, – they can be – because the reason I like Detroit to be a Super Bowl contender is, A, they can run the ball. B, they can stop the run. You can, you're not getting to the Super Bowl if you can't do those two things. And as much as you need to throw the ball to score points, you got to do those two things effectively. And – Detroit can, and Detroit's physically tough and mentally tough. And so I, I, that's why I like Detroit, and they can control the football. They can play less defense, which has been critical. That We know that works. Tampa, I'm just – I'm not sold that they can. They've won a lot of good – they won games. I thought they dominated anybody, but who – they haven't really played anybody that you think, oh, my gosh, this is going to be – you know, this is where they are. So I, I'm a little bit reticent. 
of that. You know, mm-hmm. I think when you Mayfield has played better, but you know, I, I I'm not sold that Mayfield is the is going to continue this. I think you know, in terms of playing at home, I think he's ranked in the bottom third of quarterbacks against the spread since he's entered the league, especially as a dog. So that worries you. Yeah. Well, let's continue on the slate here. The 49ers are in Cleveland. Niners coming off of that awesome performance Sunday night against Dallas. Seven-point favorites now in Cleveland. This game will have weather. We're expecting high winds, a lot of rain throughout the Midwest as well. Total is down to 37, reflected based on the forecast out there. But uh, it looks like we're going to get P.J. Walker, unless Deshaun Watson makes a miraculous recovery over these next couple days. Sounds like it'll be P.J. Walker starting for the Browns. Well, the look-ahead line was three. Now it's at seven. So it tells you P.J.'s going. You know, he didn't practice yesterday. His shoulder's still sore, you know. And so I, I don't see how there's any chance of that. But here's an interesting stat. Kyle Shanahan has faced Jim Schwartz nine times in his career. In those matchups, he's one and eight. And wow. they've yet to – and they've only scored over 20 points once. You know, and so – and with Philly, you know, it, when he was the D.C. in Atlanta – he held a, a when he was the DC in Philly, and he and 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 Kyle was the OC in Atlanta. They held mm-hmm. him to 15 points. It was the only time that year the Falcons didn't score at least 23 points. So weather going to be a going to be a low scoring game. Schwartz will do a good job of attacking the scheme because remember Schwartz's two those two nine techniques of of Cleveland take away a lot of the outside run game, which is where they really want to run the football. So this is going to come down to what quarterback can make the few plays. And you got to favor Purdy over yeah. over PJ Walker, but seven's a lot of points, I think, in this game. I really do. Yeah, maybe look to the under. I know the under's been getting blasted. It's down to thirty-seven, yeah. but maybe this is like a twenty to ten game or something like that for the 49ers to win that game, or twenty to thirteen. Either way, the under would go ahead and cash. Uh, how about the Eagles and the Jets? The Eagles, another one of the teams that you believe can win the Super Bowl. They made it the Super Bowl last year, and they're seven-point favorites on the road against the Jets. Total forty-one. Well, I mean, look, the Jets haven't been able to play good run defense, and the Eagles can run the ball on anybody, and they can run the game out, mm-hmm. right? One of the things you got to love about the Eagles is their ability to control the pace of the game. And I think when you break them down and you look at just their stacks, sack percentage, it, it's a very – you think, oh, they're not as good, but they're getting pressure. I think they're, they have 58 total pressures this year in the league. It's the, it, the most in the NFL – and they're in the top five in terms of pressure percentage, according to BetsLab.com. And when you see Wilson against pressure, not so good. But what I think happens to the Jets, when they play a good offensive team, I think their defense, which I don't think is elite, everybody might think that, it's not, they tend to struggle. And when Wilson has to match points for points, that's when they really struggle. And if he's got to get this above 20, I don't know how this Jet offense is going to be able to do it, especially with that line with Tucker out, having to move pieces around. Can Becton stay healthy? It's a tough matchup for the Jets. Yeah, I, I see the Eagles having a lot of success on offense there, especially if that if, if they can block that Jets front. And I, I think the Jets, like you mentioned, have a number of holes on that defense. Sunday night football. <laughs> we got a two-touchdown spread in Sunday Night Football. Bills hosting the New York Giants. The Giants are a mashed unit, banged up. Daniel Jones didn't practice Wednesday. We'll see what he does the rest of the week here. But if it's not Daniel Jones, it would be a Tyrod Taylor going back to the old stomping grounds out there in western New York. I mean, it's opened at 14. It went immediately to 15. It opened at 13, went to 14. Now it went to 15, came back down. I think if Daniel Jones is out again today, Thursday, we won't know. He didn't practice Wednesday. He isn't cleared for contact um, and the word that, that, that I read online this morning likely will miss the game, then mm-hmm. this line's going to go to 16. You know, Waller shows up on the, with a groin injury. You know, Thomas is still hurt. Why would Barkley come back now? I mean, unless he's 100%, I would tell – if I was Saquon's dad, if he was not 100 don't come back until you're 100%. Like, you, you're not, you know, like we're not good enough. And the, all, the whole offensive line speed up. Look, Buffalo – you know, what's, what's kind of strange about this, Buffalo's allowed 5.5 yards a carry, and the Giants have allowed 5.3. So these are two teams that actually give up a lot of yards on the ground. But Buffalo, you stop running the ball against Buffalo because you get behind. And without Milano and without Jones, you can now you're going to be able to run the ball even more. So this is going to be a little bit of a game where the Giants are terrible on offense, I grant you that, and especially if Tyrod plays. But there is weaknesses in the Bills, and I wrote about that in the column that there's still a super because Josh Allen's so good, there's still a Super Bowl contender. 
the, the quarterback is terrific, and he will have them there at the end. Uh, Thursday Night Football is the fifth team. Not, not, not that you ranked them, but the fifth team that we're getting to of the five that you think can win the Super Bowl. It's the Kansas City Chiefs hosting the Denver Broncos. Ten and a half is our number. Eleven over at DraftKings, actually. Forty-seven is the total. Yeah. And uh, Taylor Swift will be in attendance once again. That's, that's, that'll yeah. be a lot of fun. Jeff Bezos is the happiest guy in America. He definitely I is. I mean, are you excited for Al's tie? I'm excited for his tie. I know that. I can't <laughs> wait tonight. I you, cannot wait. You know? He knows that Taylor Swift's in the house. <laughs> He, you know, this might be this might be the greatest knot he's ever tied. Knowing that Taylor's going to be in the house, I mean, he just can't wait you, for it. You I know, mean, you know what I was thinking the other day? I, I saw it on my Twitter timeline, and I was like, "That's another person that had a great knot." It was a uh, Merrill Hodge back when he was at ESPN. He had a fantastic oh yeah, but he had knot. the big one. Uh, he, yeah, he, he did, had yeah. the really big one. I mean, he was kind of <laughs> off on his own. You know, he was he was kind of playing his own game. Alice plays it right. You know. <laughs> But this is the longest streak, other than the Jets-Patriots, this Chiefs domination of the of the Broncos yeah. is one of the longest. But this is going to be a true weather game. we got 17-mile-an-hour wind. I don't think we're going to get rain. We might. but And we got Sean Hockley. Oh, Wind and Hockley on. and Al's not. Oh, my God. Could you ask for anything better than this? You, you just brought my – Sitting outside, <laughs> barbecuing burgers. I mean, you got Hockley. You know, I mean – There'll be a sell-off in Denver once this game's over. If Sean's smart, he'll start selling everything off and try to get himself the first pick in the draft. You just brought my day down a couple rungs when you mentioned that Sean Hockley's doing the game tonight. That's that's unfortunate. That's unfortunate. But we'll deal with it. We'll power through it. Uh, you mentioned the sell-off in Denver. Uh, not a bye week, but an extended time off after Thursday night football. Uh, who are the, some of the candidates? Do you think everybody's up for sale? Like, is Patrick Sertan? I think is he available? You know, take – I mean, I think he's – I'm sure, like – I don't think Patrick Sertain's available, okay. and I don't think that young kid they drafted, the outside rusher from Oklahoma, is available. Okay. They drafted him in the second round. He's been really good for him. I mean, there's probably five, you know, but you want to come heavy? Like, like, like Uncle Junior told Sony, come heavy or don't come at all. He did say that. Sean Payton said that, hey, we're not looking to trade anybody, but that's not going to stop people from calling. Translation, we are phone please call ring. us. <laughs> 1-800-BRONCO is uh, is definitely open for business. That does it for us on the pod. Thank you to our producer, Elliot Bowman, with us on the ones and twos. Thank you to DraftKings. Thank you to VEASAN. Thank you to you, Michael. And I will talk to you on Monday as we react to week five.